This is Billy Corbin, director of Cocaine Cowboys and the 30 for 30s, The You and Broke. And there's nothing we love in Miami more than driving cruise control with no hands, steering with our knee, and not using turn signals, which is kind of what it's like listening to the Cruise Control Podcast with my man, Randy Cruz. We're joined by a good friend of mine, Mark Raimondi of MMAFighting.com here on the Cruise Control Podcast. Um, he's done stuff for Fox Sports and the New York Post, Newsday back in the days, and now he's at MMAFighting.com. Mark, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, man. What's going on? How you doing? I'm trying to stay warm. It is 30 <laughs> degrees here in the city. It's snowing. We've had a brutal February so hopefully this will be the last snowstorm we've had in uh, in the city, man. You know, uh, last year uh, was, was my last winter in uh, in New York, and I grew up there. You know, I was there for 30 years, and uh, I said, you know what, that's just, I can't do it anymore. All the snow that we had we had last year, and now it seems like it's been even worse uh, this year. And I moved to uh, I moved to California in December. I live in West Hollywood now, and man, you know, it's only been like two months since I moved, but it's probably one of the best decisions I've ever made because I've avoided all the all the terrible snow back uh, back east. I've avoided, you know, the horrible driving conditions. I've avoided all the all the stress of digging your car out and shoveling. Mm. I hated that stuff, man. I hated it. And uh, and I'm now I'm in like sunny California. It's laid back. It's like 70 degrees right now. I'm chilling. It's it's uh, I, I like it, man. I definitely like it. Well, you are a New York native from Queens, New York, and like you said, you moved to West Hollywood uh, for two months, right? Yeah, I moved in in December, so I've been here for uh, for well, yeah, it's like two and a half months now. Uh, man, I can't tell you how great the winter has been. There's no such thing as winter here. It's beautiful. <laughs> hey, 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 man, stop showing off, man, because during the winter time <laughs> it was like 30 here, it's probably 65, 70 over there in West Hollywood. So you don't gotta rub it in my face, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I apologize. Um, but um, how easy or difficult was the whole transition to go from? New York City to West Hollywood. It was um well first of all as everyone knows moving itself always sucks. Right. Never ever fun. Like moving is just always you know just a pain in the neck, you know, it's uh it's always a stressful process. There's so much things to do and you got to juggle moving with everything else you're doing in your life, you know, work, you know, whatever. Exactly. Um and uh cross country is even is even harder, but uh but it was just something that, you know, I just made up my mind that I had to do. Uh, you know, as you were saying before, I cover MMA now, and and there's a much uh, much bigger uh, MMA scene on the West Coast as there is back east. Even though it's kind of growing on Long Island and and you know places in New Jersey, um, they, there's a lot more MMA out here. There's, there's many more UFC events in Vegas and LA. Uh, so it was something that uh, you know I didn't have to do, but I felt if I was going to continue furthering myself with my job, um, it would be better for me. And uh, so far, so good. And the transition period is kind of over now, so I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of settled in and I'm enjoying it now. Um, I would, I, honestly, man, I would recommend it. People who, who are sick of the cold, um, you know, Cal, Cali is a, is, is a cool place. It's it's pretty chill. Mm-hmm. The weather, obviously, is great. People are cool. You know, I, I, I'm enjoying it so far. You know what? You, you made a, a good point how the UFC is always or predominantly always on the West Coast, L.A., Vegas. Is there a reason why UFC is always on the West Coast and rarely over here on the East Side? 
I think it's because even from the beginning, when UFC first started in the early 90s, um, jiu-jitsu was kind of like the ba- the base of, of what MMA is now. Jiu-jitsu is, you know, obviously, you know, ground fighting submissions. And when when the Brazilians who who brought jiu-jitsu to America, mm. when they when they came here, they settled in LA. They settled in Tar, California, which is maybe about 30 minutes east of, uh, of like LA. And uh, that's kind of where it all started, where where jiu-jitsu was kind of born in the states. And if you if you really look at it, you could say that jiu-jitsu coming to the United States was kind of the forebear of the UFC and of MMA getting big. So it's just kind of it's just been here. It's just been out. In California, longer. There's people have been doing it for you know for 30 years out here. Whereas back in the states, you know, back in uh, back on the East Coast, I should say, uh, it's just not. There isn't that route. There isn't that like long route. People have come, you know, from California and started doing it over there. But it kind of all started in the United States, in California, and it's kind of branched out. And then uh, for the UFC, Las Vegas is, as you know, the fight capital of the world. All the big boxing fights are there for the most part. Right. And the UFC is ba- is based in Las Vegas. Their headquarters are there. So, uh, you know, there is uh, something about Las Vegas as far as it's a destination for fights. People want to go there. They'll go for the weekend and they'll go to the fight, you know, that weekend. That's kind of why, you know, uh, that's kind of why most big things are there. Cause it's a destination. People will actually travel to go to Las Vegas to go to a fight, whereas it's kind of a harder sell in other cities. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, for those who don't know the background, I know me and you have known each other for quite some time. You were covering high school basketball, college basketball, or New York City street ball uh, for New York Post and Newsday, also baseball, NBA, NFL. You went on to Fox Sports and now MMAfighting.com covering the UFC. Was there always an interest from you in MMA, in UFC, that made you say, you know what, that you wanted to cover this full time? Yeah, I mean, there was, um, I've been a fan of of the sport for a really long time, even going back to, like, you know, the 90s when it it first started up, and it was, you know, it was totally different, and it was a little bit more brutal, Um, you know, there were less, there were less rules, stuff like that, there weren't any weight classes, there were no rounds, it was just pretty much like a free-for-all. I've been, I've been kind of a fan of it since then, Uh, for a little bit, I kind of lost touch with it, Uh, you know, I was in school, uh, you know, then I went to college, and I kind of got back into it. And uh, I never really thought that it could be something that I could make a career out of mm. because, you know, when you're in school, you know, I've always been a big sports fan, all, every sport. You know, I've always been a big Mets fan. You know, I've always been a big Knicks fan. I've always been a big St. John's basketball fan. So those are always the sports that I was, like, most focused on. And I've, I always wanted to be a, a sports journalist. And I never thought that MMA would really be big enough where I could actually make a living doing that. I always thought about, oh, I want I want to be like a – you know, an MLB beat writer. You know, cover you know cover the Mets and the Yankees for like Daily News or the, mm. or the Times or the Post or uh, you know cover the Knicks. Like those are always like that was always my dream job. That's what I wanted to do. Um, and obviously, you can't just jump right in and do that. So when I when I got out of uh, school, got a job at a local newspaper in Queens, the Times Ledger. Um, from there, I um, I left there. I started my own website, FiveBoroughSports.com, which I'm sure you remember. You know, we covered a lot of streetball um, right. back in the day, like in 2008, around that time. Um, and then from FiveOverSports.com, uh, the uh, the New York Post um, hired all like the entire staff of our website. Um, so we ended up working there for uh, I worked there for about four years, doing really a little bit of everything. Started doing high schools, then became an editor on the website uh, for a couple of years. And in between, I did you know MLB and uh, you know NBA and NFL whenever you know whenever they needed somebody. Um, I left there uh, in December 2013. 
and I got a freelance gig writing for FoxSports.com doing only UFC. Um, when I was at the New York Post, I, I started the first like the first blog for MMA on the New York Post website. And uh, it, they didn't have almost any coverage of MMA at all, the New York Post. And I started that when I, when I was there. And uh, it really took off and became really popular, so much so that, that you know, I, I, was, I was gaining connections to people, you know, in, across the, the field and people, you know, who worked in the field. And that's how I got the job with Fox Sports, just, you know, just having the connections and networking. And, and uh, you know, when they had an opening for their website for, you know, to cover the UFC, they hired me in December 2013. And then I did that, and I worked uh, also uh, while I was doing Fox Sports. It was only freelance, and they didn't really mind if I covered other sports. So I worked for Newsday, covered you know MLB and NBA, and really, I mean, I was working a lot for them, and I did almost everything, you know, NHL, pretty much anything you can imagine. I was uh, I was doing stuff for Newsday during the same time that I was working for Fox Sports, and then um, and then uh, I left all. Well, I got the job at MMAfighting.com. Uh, in November of uh, this past year, November 2014, and then I moved a month later, so I I can't work for Newsday anymore because I don't live, you know, in New York. But uh, MMAfighting.com, it's, it's a really great job. I'm, I'm an assistant editor. You know, it's uh, it's really good, man. And uh, it, it's a really, uh, I think a lot of people would, would really enjoy, a lot of people want, like, <laughs> put it this way, and I, I'm sure you've heard, you've heard similar things, that, you know, for you. Mm-hmm. A lot of people want the job that you have, and they think it's a good time and it's fun. And it definitely is. It definitely is. But it's also a lot of work, and it's a lot of long hours. It's a lot of uh, a lot of nights and weekends. Uh, if people don't understand, like you know, people who don't really know a lot about sports journalism. Oh, why? Why are you? What, what do you mean you're working on a Saturday night? That's when I work. <laughs> like I work Saturday nights. I work Sunday mornings. I work. You know, I work these weird hours. Right. There's always a fight on. There's always a fight on like Friday night or Saturday night that I got. I got to cover. Or I got to be at. And people who don't know. Always like, well, what are you doing? You work on weekends? What are you talking about? You can't go out and you can't go out to the bar? You can go to the club? I'm like, no, man, I gotta, I gotta watch these fights until like two in the morning and then write. Exactly. So, uh, it's, uh, it's a, it's a, I, I love my job. Um, and, uh, it definitely is, uh, a really great job. There's no doubt about it. Um, but, you know, it's not, it's not quite as glamorous as people think that it might be. Well, aren't you glad you're not covering the Knicks right now? <laughs> <laughs> man, you know what? I I was I was uh, I've been following it, of course. But I'm still oh, a Knicks man. fan, even though it's hard to be a Knicks fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the New York Times did something really funny uh, a few months ago, where they took their beat writer off the beat for a few weeks and said, Let, "Let's have him find other other good basketball in like the country because the Knicks are so bad. Let's 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 vote on the website for mm-hmm. fans. You know who, who can." Who, who can choose where our Knicks beat writer is going to go for good basketball? And and the guy ended up doing. He ended up writing about like Division three, you know, women's basketball teams and like high, you know, girls basketball, you know, high school teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really, really cool. I, you know, it was really cool to see that they thought out of the box and they sent and they sent their uh, their beat writer to do some do some things that were that were interesting stories that people didn't really know about, rather than have him just go to the you know, if the Knicks aren't the Knicks aren't doing well, and you're not and you're not. They're not trying if they, you know, because at, at that point they were they were cleaning house, you know, they were they were having a fire sale, and they're not trying to win, you know, why why are we trying to cover them every day like this? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you can, uh, the, the, as you know, the New York papers send them like a million people, uh, you know, to every Knicks game. They send like three people, four people. Mm-hmm. If the Knicks aren't trying to win, what are we covering all these games for? Send send your reporters out to do some do some fun stuff, do some cool stuff that no one's done before. So I thought that was pretty cool, and uh, I I would still, I mean, I would still love to cover the Knicks. I'll be honest with you, like that's you know, I would never, I would never uh, turn that, I would never like you know turn my back on on that on the on the mainstream sports. Still love the mainstream sports, 
Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it can't be too fun to be a Knicks beat writer right now. Hey, man, it, it is really uh, – <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I think that's a whole other episode to, to, to tackle that, <laughs> but it, it's – it's really bad. Um, I mean, a lot of people just can't wait to April and uh, yep. and May try to see what kind of draft pick they're gonna get. So you know, it's all about the future. We'll see what happens. But um, we're joined by Mark Raymondi of MMAfighting.com. Uh, he's on Twitter at M A R C underscore R A I M O N D I. So me and you have already passed. The the time limit that uh, Rousey and Zingano went through, so we passed 14 <laughs> seconds. That is remarkable. <laughs> I think we, we passed that during the introduction. <laughs> I know we passed that 10 12 minutes ago, man. <laughs> I was man, I was um, I was yeah, I was there obviously covering the fight. It was in L.A. um uh, last week Saturday, and uh, it it I mean I couldn't I still don't believe it. I still don't believe what I saw. All I remember is, you know, Katzengano, you know, that was, you know, Rousey's opponent. I saw her running at Rousey, and I was like, oh, no, mm. what are you doing? Don't do I mean, put it this way. Ronda Rousey is a, uh, is, uh, she was an Olympic medalist in judo. And if you know anything about judo, you don't want to get near that. You don't want to get close to that person. You don't want to get within arm's reach to have her pick you up and throw you. That's basically what judo is. It's, exactly. all, it's all about throws and, and grappling. So, inexplicably, she decided to run right at, at Rousey. She actually did catch Rousey uh, a little bit a little bit surprised, but Rousey's like a, some kind of a cartwheel. She flipped her over, and she put her in an armbar in 14 seconds. Honestly, I have never – I've seen so many fights in my life, man, and I've never seen anyone pull that off before. I've never seen any guy. I've never seen any woman. I've never seen anyone pull off an armbar the way that she pulled it off from a, from a scramble like that where it was just chaotic and all of a sudden I don't know where she got her, she got an arm it's a, I mean she is unbelievable man she is an incredible incredible athlete I mean 14 seconds you know the intros and the video package they had lasted longer than than the whole fight <laughs> and I, I'm like I told you before I'm I'm there and watching it and you know if you would have turned your neck or blink one time or even cough the the fight was over and it was <laughs> like you said she charged at her and arm bar, you're done. And it was like, <laughs> like, what? And like, I mean, I'm not in the arena. I'm pretty sure the fans were like, some could be like, yeah, it's wonderful. Some could be like, oh, it's a ripoff. I want the money back. But in your right. opinion, did you did you think it was going to um, last longer than 14 seconds? Because it was kind of billed as if Kat had a legit chance of competing with Ronda. You, I think you always think it's going to go longer than 14 seconds. I don't think you can ever really <laughs> anticipate, yeah. you know, any fight between anybody. Between anybody, that's the craziest thing, man. Um, anybody gets into a fight on the street, you know, in a bar. Mm-hmm. That's not going to last just 14 seconds. You know, that's usually like a, you know, in a sloppy brawl yep. on the floor. She is so good that she makes other women who are who are you know at the highest level. You know, look almost like amateurs. You know, she she finished them in 14 seconds. Um, as far as your question about whether or not people were were ripped off or they felt ripped off, I think some people were, but um, everyone everyone in the crowd on Saturday was actually really impressed. They, it was more of like a wow, like I can't believe what I just saw type of thing. I know that I've seen online that people have been upset. Like uh, I think it's a vocal minority, a smaller amount of people are upset. Like you know, oh you know I, I paid for more, but. What other people are saying, and I agree with this part, is that she's almost like uh, she's a, a Mike Tyson level of fighter. 
Right. And, and what I mean by that is when you bought a Mike Tyson pay-per-view, you were buying it with the hope that he would knock some fool out in less than two minutes, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're, you're a boxing fan. Um, yeah. You know, you when you, when you watch Mike Tyson fight, you didn't want to see him get some kind of 12-round, you know, back-and-forth thing. You wanted to see Mike Tyson damn near kill a dude, right? And that's kind of, and that's kind of what Rousey has. She kind of has that, wow, what is this girl going to do next? I can't, she has that I-can't-believe-what-I-just-saw-factor, kind of like Mike Tyson had. And I got to tell you, man, she, she knocked out her opponent in July in 16 seconds, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so far, no, nothing official has come out, but apparently the pay-per-view numbers are, are for this past fight, are double what the what the what they thought they were going to be. What like the experts like were predicting for this pay per view. So she went from finishing her opponent in 16 seconds. Everybody wanted to watch her again because more because more people have watched her. You know, bought this pay per view now than the last time. So it seems like that formula is working for her. That people are saying like I need to watch her. Because also the thing is, man, like, you know, UFC, not everyone is into the sport. You know, not everyone is into MMA. Not everyone watches it. Mm-hmm. But when something happens like this, uh, where, it, first of all, it's a woman, because no one's ever done this before as a woman. Um, second of all, she's attractive. And third of all, you know, the way that she talks, she's so smart. And she and she talks straight trash, man. She's hilarious when she talks. Right, She right. combines all those things, right? And then she... And then she finishes someone in 14 seconds. And all that kind of stuff, all those things combined, get the mainstream media's attention where, you know, you got her on talk shows. She's on Good Morning America. She's on, you know, Good Day in New York. She's doing Conan O'Brien. She's, like, she she goes everywhere. And if she was in, like, these back-and-forth fights where it's like, oh, it's a close fight, she wouldn't be everywhere, you know? that, That kind of freakish thing when she's finishing someone in 14 seconds, that is the kind of thing that gets her the mainstream exposure, and that then equals people buying the pay-per-view. And I don't think that's going to change because I don't know if you saw it today, but she was on every she was on every radio show, every TV show imaginable in the sports world. She was on Dan Patrick. She was on SportsCenter. She was on Jay Moore. She was on Dan Levitard. She was on uh, Doug Gottlieb on the radio. Dude, she's, she's everywhere. There is no doubt that she is the biggest star in the UFC right now. And... Before all is said and done, if she hangs out for a, for a bit, she may be the biggest UFC star of all time. I mean, she she sold out Staples Center, so I know I, you know the uh, the Lakers are playing. They're probably having a hard time doing that without Kobe. <laughs> and it's like you, you know, like you said, a female is on the marquee, on the bill, on the main event, and she sold out Staples Center. And it's like, like who else has done that? Who else is going to do that again? And the fact that she is becoming this transcending pop pop culture star dominating in, in what she does. She's in movies, Fast Seven, Entourage coming up. You know, even to a point where, you know, going back to the to, to wrestling, Paul Heyman even turned her name into a verb on on, on, on <laughs> Raw saying, you know, I'm gonna you know, Brock is gonna simply Ronda Rousey your ass. And it's like, um you know, did you or UFC people Dana White ever ever think she would be what she is right now no man like it's uh it's crazy because two years almost exactly two years ago there was no women in the ufc until until rousey came in and she fought the first fight in february 2013 Mm -hmm. that's really not a long time ago that's really not and to think that 
two years later, two years ago, it was an experiment. Put it that way. It was an experiment. Let's see how this goes. We don't know. We have no idea how it's going to go. She was fighting in a smaller organization. She was the champion. She was causing a lot of buzz, but the UFC is a different, is a different animal, and the UFC is held to a different standard. And the UFC makes its money on pay-per-view, and it didn't, it, you know, it wasn't, her, her first fight on pay-per-view wasn't an immediate home run, but mm. it, it did well enough, don't get me wrong, but every, it seems like with every single fight, she's getting more and more popular. Like you said, she's in, she's in movies. She, um, she's filming a new movie in May that she's starring in, which she's going to be, a, she's actually going to be the star. It's going to be her first time as one of the stars of the movie. Unbelievable. And that's going to, that's called, uh, that's called Mile 22. It's, uh, it's being put out by Peter Berg, who made, um... He's made he's made a, he's made a bunch of movies. He made yeah. Lone Survivor, which was uh, his most recent one. So um, she's she's a real deal, man. Like she's she's really becoming a transcendent star. And you know, someone like me, I'm I, I do this every day. It's my job. I'm I'm you know I'm in the MMA community. I'm inside the bubble. But man, I've seen more people uh, who, who who I know have never cared about UFC before on Facebook, you know, on social media, wherever. And all of a sudden, they're talking about Ronda Rousey. I'm like, what? Where did this, where did this come from? I've been, I've been talking about this for, for years. Uh-huh. And now all of a sudden, everyone's, talk, everyone's talking about her. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool, man. It's, it's a pretty cool thing. For someone like me who's just now getting into it, and, and for people who don't even watch it, and they ask you, um, is Ronda Rousey the biggest draw right now in UFC? Is she, or are other people just as big as her when it comes to drawing, pay-per-view, and stuff like that? Hold on one second, man. I know, tough question, huh? <laughs> yeah, no. I... <laughs> um, is she the biggest draw on pay-per-view right now? I, you know what? I, it it really all depends on what's, what's going to happen with these new numbers, these figures. Mm-hmm. Because uh, before before this fight, I would say that she's not the biggest draw. Okay. But I think that's more because of uh, of longevity. It takes a little bit. You know, not many people can come right in and, and be a huge pay-per-view draw. Brock Lesnar did it, but that's only because he had the uh, he had WWE. You know, he had that under his belt already. People already knew him. People were already used to paying to see him. So I would say I would say she's not the biggest yet. But you know, there's guys like John Jones and Anderson Silva who are, who are big names and have been big names for for many years now. But Man, you know, if the if the numbers are going the way that they seem to be going now with this past show, she she could end up being there pretty quickly. Now the question is, with her now what? You know, who's out there to fight her? You you're in the bubble more than I am. Um, is there somebody out there that's that that can last longer than Kat Zingano? Um, last longer than the intro and the video package? Who who is out there that she can possibly fight that can put a uh, put her put her to the test? Well, there's one person out there, but it's gonna be—it's not gonna be an easy fight to make. Uh, her name is her name is Chris Justino, and uh, you may know her better as Cyborg. Uh, Cyborg she is yeah. uh, she is probably the sec- she's not probably she's the second best women's MMA fighter in the world right now, and she was the best before Ronda Rousey came along. She's been doing it for a lot longer, but um, she hasn't fought in the UFC because she's not because she's not um, in the weight class. She's um she's she weighs 145 pounds and Ronda Rousey is 135 pounds, so she needs to cut weight. She needs to cut to 135 pounds to meet to meet Rousey. And she's not in the UFC yet. She says she's going to try to make uh, 135 pounds uh, this coming year, but she's a very she's a she's a a big girl. She's she weighs about 175. You know, walking around, she's very big. She's very strong, and she she knocks people out in in seconds. And she fought on Friday night in LA. 
and she won her fight in 46 seconds by knockout. She she uh, viciously knocked out her, her opponent. So there is someone who could possibly hang with Ronda Rousey. It's a matter of them making a fight. And honestly, I think there's too much money on the line. I think the fight will happen. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see that one. You know what's funny, Mark? You, you know, you know, you're that good when you need a cyborg to take you down. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, exactly. A human, a human alone cannot do it. Um, Mark Raimondi, MMAfighting.com at Mark underscore Raimondi on Twitter. Um, we mentioned Brock. He's the current WWE champion. Uh, he was there at UFC 184, watching the event. Speculations of him staying or uh, staying in. Um, WWE or going back to UFC, you see more Brock in UFC than I have. If he were to go back, what is out there for him? Does he have anything else to prove from his previous run? And what's the main reason or main reasons for him to come back if he does do so? If he's, I mean, Brock, Brock is a businessman first and foremost, right? And I still believe, and I still believe wholeheartedly that he's going to go to the place that pays him the most money. But, but I think that he feels like there's, he has a sense of, of disappointment and, and that he didn't fulfill his potential as an MMA fighter because he uh, pretty much throughout his MMA run, which is only, you know, maybe four or five years, mm-hmm. he, he suffered, he was suffering from diverticulitis and uh, he had two bouts of that. And, and from what his doctors told him, he was actually, uh, he was not at 100% throughout his entire MMA career. He didn't even know it. He was such a freakish athlete and so strong and so big that he was operating on like maybe 30% and didn't even know it. And he was still winning fights and he still became the UFC heavyweight champion. Now, I, I do think that Brock is a, is a competitor. And, you know, as a guy who was an NCAA champion wrestler, I think he still has that, that competitive fire in him. And I still think he, he would love to to come back to the UFC and, and prove people wrong and, and show what his promise really was. Because, I mean, he's just a freak athlete. And, you know, if he if he really developed and became as good as he could have been, he could have been the best heavyweight of all time. But at the end of the day, he's, he's almost 40. He's, almost 40. he's uh, you know, he doesn't really like uh, the press. He doesn't like doing the media. He doesn't like all that stuff. And uh, if WWE pays him a bullet of money to stay, I, I think he'll probably take that. Well, like you said, Lesnar is uh, almost 40. He's, he's 37 years old. He, he's had the injuries. Me as a fan, I would want him staying with WWE because I just feel like he just, you know, the way that product is now, they definitely need him to be at the forefront. Um, but my thing is, I think it's better for him um, to stay because of his age, of the injuries, I don't know what's the – What's the range of if you're a UFC fighter and what's the age of like, you know, that that you can't really compete with the young guy? So if he's 37 years old trying to go back, um, to me, I don't think I don't think that's a good idea because there are a lot of young up and coming fighters in that business that I don't think maybe Brock can hang with. I mean, I can't speak for him, but to me as a fan, I would want him to stay. But like you said, when it comes down to it, it's going to be about who pays him the most. I think, to be honest with you, Brock is such an amazing athlete. Even at yeah. his age, I think he would be competitive in the UFC's heavyweight division. The UFC's heavyweight division is really not. Uh, it's one of the weaker divisions, and there isn't, uh, there isn't a ton of uh, great young talent there. A lot of guys who are ranked right now in the UFC's heavyweight division are actually in their late, uh, their mid to late 30s. So Brock wouldn't be at a huge competitive disadvantage. Now, do I think that he can come back and win the UFC title at 37? Probably not. 
And uh, also, I mean, to another point, he has, he has kind of a sweet gig with, with WWE right now. How many dates a year does he work? He only works a handful of uh, day, days a year. He gets to spend, you know, the most maximum time with his family. If he was in the UFC, he'd have to, you know, do these long six-week training camps. You know, he'd have to really push his body. I think he's got a much better deal with WWE. So I, I don't, I don't, I, gun to my head, I don't think he, he would do it. The only thing that would really make him do it is a, a lot of money and, and just that sense of not, of not accomplishing what he wanted to accomplish as a competitor. And, I, you know, I, I, won't, I won't totally discount that because, like I said, you know, Brock is a competitor. He, he's an NCAA champion athlete. So may, may he do it? Has he thought about it? I, I could almost say for sure that he has thought about it, but will he actually end up doing it? I would say probably not. CM Punk, what's the latest on him and when he'll be fighting, who he'll be fighting, and how he's coming along with his whole transition from Vince McMahon and WWE to UFC? CM Punk. We, we probably won't be seeing CM Punk fight in UFC until probably late in 2015 at the very earliest, I would say. Wow. I think Damn. that, and I think that's good because, look, I mean, this is a very, very special circumstance. You know, not everyone can... can come out of nowhere, having never even trained in MMA, mm. um, and take a fight in the UFC. Uh, it's just not its not done. The only reason why it's being done with CM Punk is because he's so well-known. He's such a, a personality, and, and he, they figure he's going to draw ratings and pay-per-view. So that's why he's there. Um, I, and and the, the best thing about CM Punk right now is, is he knows all these things that, that, you know, that I just mentioned. He understands that special circumstance. He understands that, you know, he, he's... He understands that you just can't come into a UFC fight and then and, and hope to not get yourself hurt, you know, right off the bat. So he's putting in work. He he's at one of the best camps right now, um, Rufus Sport in uh, Milwaukee. He's training with uh, Anthony Pettis, who's the UFC lightweight champion. He's training with Ben Astrin, who's one of the best uh, welterweights in the world. He has a really really good camp. Uh, I just saw today uh, uh, this week that he he started MMA sparring for the first time. So. It's gonna be a really, it's gonna be a slow process, and that's what he needs. You know, there's no rush. If he really wants to do this seriously, and I think that he does, it's gonna be a slow process. And I don't think they're even gonna decide the timetable for his first fight until probably the summer-ish, I would say. And then I wouldn't expect him to fight until the end of the year, maybe even the beginning of of next year. Because I think as he goes, I think as 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 Punk goes. In the training process, he'll find out more about himself. He'll find out he didn't even know what weight class he was going to fight. You know, fight out, which is a pretty big. You know, that's a pretty important uh, detail to, to figure out. Right. So I think as he goes with his training, from what I've heard from people in his camp, uh, you know, originally he thought he might fight at middleweight, which is 185 pounds, but he's losing so much weight training because it's such a cardio workout that uh, he might actually be able to drop to 170. And and to me, I think that's probably his best uh, his best weight class because he's not. An overly big guy, and middleweight is a is a division filled with like big guys who cut a lot of weight. Guys who are up over 200 pounds who cut the 185. So I think that welterweight will end up be his, being his uh, his weight class when we see him fight, probably late 2015, maybe early 2016. I'm still curious to see what they'll do. I don't know who they'll give him as far as an opponent. It's going to have to be someone with a similar experience level, which is you know not very much experience at all. Maybe it's someone who has one win or two wins, you know, only one or two pro fights, just because the athletic commission sanctioned these fights, man, and and a commission is not going to sanction a fight between a guy who's never had a fight in his entire life against mm. a guy who's a veteran of the UFC. It's just not it's not legal. The state is not going to approve that. 
So it's going to have to be against someone who, uh, you know, who's 1-0, and 2-0. The UFC has promised that it'll be against someone that we all know, like a big name. So I don't know who that could possibly be, who's only, you know, 1-0 or 2-0, but we'll have to see. That'll be something that uh, that we find out more about as, as, the, as the months go on. What was your initial reaction when Punk announced that he was coming to UFC and are the diehard UFC fans more... 50-50 with him because he's coming from quote-unquote sports entertainment and entering 100% real when it comes to the, to the octagon? I would say mixed emotions because, you know, the UFC is supposed to be the, the highest level of, of fighting, the highest level of MMA, and uh, for them to sign someone who has never had a fight in his entire life was kind of like suspect, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, there's only one way to think of it, and that's this is a business. You know, the, the bottom line is how much money can you make? That's what they're there for. The UFC is there to, to make money. It's, a, it's an enterprise, you know? Right. And, and, and CM Punk is going to make them money, and that's really all it comes down to. There's no other reason why he's, he's there. I think everyone understands that. You know what? I've been watching this, uh, I would say, since November, maybe October, and I'm still getting used to a couple things. I follow you on Twitter, so, like, I, I read what you do. Um, one guy I do like, and like whenever he fights, I'm watching it. Uh, McGregor, Conor McGregor, I I, I love his yes, attitude. Yes. He <laughs> uh, he can be arrogant, he can be cocky, but um, what he does and the way he fights, and I forgot what country he's from, but it's somewhere over Ireland. there, <laughs> Ireland. Ireland. There you go. But yes. I, I love how he fights. I love his attitude. To me. If you're asking me who would I want to see fight just because of how their character is right now, um, McGregor would be the guy for me. Yeah, he's um, his his rise to stardom has been very fast, man. And uh, it's because of that. It's because he really knows how to talk. He knows how to engage the audience. Uh, he's so smart, and he talks so well, and he's so charismatic. And plus, he knocks guys out you know, the first round, second round. So those things combined, obviously, make for a big star. Uh, he'll be fighting in July at uh, UFC 189. He's the headliner. He's challenging uh, Jose Aldo for the featherweight title. So that'll be really interesting. Uh, July, be July, uh, the beginning of July card for the UFC is the biggest card of the year for them. So that's a really big deal for McGregor. Wonderful. I'm watching that one. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for that. Yeah, it's um, going to be fun. There's also another title fight on that card. The welterweight title will be on the line as well. That's a really stacked, uh, stacked loaded card in Vegas. All right. I got one more for you before I let you go. For me, like I said, who just got into UFC and for those who are new or have never seen a fight before, if you, if I told you, Mark, recommend these three or five fights that have happened in the last couple of years, which fights would you recommend everyone seeing? Well, that's a really good question. That's not a question I get asked very often. I would have to say... The the fight that I always that I always point to, God, you know what? This is this is actually a really tough question. Thank you. <laughs> really, really tough question. I see I see so many fights. I see so many fights. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll go back to the uh, to last year. There were there were a few really good fights. Uh, one of them was uh, Robbie Lawler against Johnny Hendricks. It was a welterweight title fight. Okay. Where Hendricks uh, Hendricks won the uh, it was uh, the, it was a vacant title at the time. Uh, it was a great five-round fight. It was uh, UFC 171 in Dallas. That was uh, probably the fight of the year for last year. Um, another fight that was really great. Uh, John Jones is uh, is the top ten, is the top pound-for-pound fighter in the world right now. And uh, his hardest title defense was at UFC 
165. That was in September 2013 against Alexander Gustafsson. Five-round fight. You know, Jones uh, was down early, and he came back, and he got bloodied up. He got his nose, his bust, lip was busted, and he came back, and he won. And it was his toughest test. And uh, he really showed the heart of a champion in that fight. I would say that's a, that's a big one. And honestly, any fight that Ronda Rousey's ever been in, watch it. Because she, every single time that she's there, she comes up with something new. I mean, she beat her, her opponent this time with an arm bar in 14 seconds. Her previous fight, she finished by knockout in 16 seconds. The fight before that, she kneed the girl in the liver, and she finished her in 56 seconds. So every time she's there, she comes up with some, some new crazy way to win. So I would say any, any fight that she's ever been in, check that out. Yeah, I, I saw that Jones-Gustafson uh, fight somewhere on demand. I think, that's, I think that was the first fight I saw, and I was like, you know what? I got I to gotta catch up on this. I got to follow some people on Twitter and really – you know, stay, stay in the loop. So I I, I do recall that five round uh, match. Uh, before I let you go, um, one you do a great job at what you do. MMAfighting.com. You're on Twitter at Mark underscore Raimondi. Let the people know where they can hit you up, catch up with you, read your work, and things of that nature. Yeah, man, you said uh, MMAfighting.com is the website. Uh, you know, that's, it's really the leading website right now in MMA. We have a ton of video content. We have a ton of great articles, you know, great features. Pretty much everything that you could want to know about MMA is, is right there. And uh, like you said, my Twitter is at Mark underscore Raimundi. It's M-A-R-C, Mark with a C, very important. M-A-R-C underscore R-A-I-M-O-N-D-I. And hit me up. You know, I'm, I'm on there uh, 24-7. It's a, it's a lifestyle, not a job for me. So there, there it is. Mark, thank you, man. Appreciate it. No problem, man. It was a pleasure talking to you again. It was, it was good to hear from you. Likewise. I'll talk to you soon, man. All right, man. Take care. Take care.